This podcast is a ministry of Christian Life Center in Berwyn, Illinois. Our goal is to create a real faith for the real world, and we hope this helps you grow. For more information at Christian Life Center, visit us at our website, www.berwynag.org. Thank you. It's important that we, the people, have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen? And too often we... Uh, too often we blame the one who's giving the word, or, or we blame the, uh, the atmosphere in which the word was given, when reality is, straight up a donkey could preach if the hearts are receptive, amen? Yeah. I said a donkey, you're about ready to hear from a donkey this morning, so <laughs> praise the Lord, I believe in God that even a donkey could preach this morning, amen, God's good. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Jeremiah 18. I'll give you a moment to turn there. Jeremiah 18. And uh, we're going to take a look at some lessons from the potter's house. You know how sometimes you come across a passage or you hear the pastor announce, this is where we're going to be preaching from, and you think you already know what that scripture says, and you think you know what the lessons are from the potter's house maybe this morning. But... I challenge you to read it again with a fresh heart because there's some stuff in here that, that I had misunderstood for years and, and now I'm kind of understanding a little bit more about it. And I hope that the Lord will just give us a new insight if we have ears to hear. Amen? amen. We are the people of God's promise. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. We are God's church. We are His bride. We are a people being gathered to Himself. For his honor and his glory. So frequently we are taken aback when our plans don't pan out. I mean, we've sought the Lord, right? Amen? And we've read his word, you know, we listened to the voice of God, we've asked him for direction, we're trusting that he's guiding the steps of, of the righteous footsteps of our, of our life. And, we believe or believing all that, and then things seem to change. Plans seem to change. Things seem to turn, and and we wonder, God, what are you doing? Have you ever said that to him? God, what are you doing up there? Many times I've prayed and said, God, what are you doing up there? Sometimes I think he looks down and goes, What are you doing down there? We could probably have the altar call now, right? What are we doing down here? What are you doing up there, we ask. Those plans sometimes seem like they're uprooted. Even things that are, that are divinely orchestrated things, even plans, even prophecies that have been given over our life, even, even uh, important words that have been directives in our life, sometimes they seem to change. And we're trying to figure out how an immutable God, a God who does not change, how a God can who does not change, can give an unchanging word, and then the word changes. Then we look at the Scripture, and we see, he says, I am the Lord, and I change not. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. This is kind of the situation that the Israelites were in, in this passage. They, too, were God's people. They, too, had promises over their lives. And yet, they were being overrun or about to be overrun by invading nations 
I'm sure there was somebody somewhere who was crying out to God, wait, we are your people. We are your people. We are the ones, we are the ones that you have called your people. Out of all the people of the earth, you selected us and draw, dragged us to yourself. We didn't ask for that. You asked for us. And you called us to your side. Didn't you say to our forefather Abraham, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you? Didn't you say that to us? Didn't you, aren't you the one who said that we would be blessed going in and blessed going out, that we would be blessed when we rise up and blessed when we sit down? Aren't you the one, Lord, who said that we should be the head and not the tail? Aren't you the one, God, who, who gave us this great prescription for who we ought to be? And now here we are with this great difficulty, with this challenge to our faith, and it seems as though your declaration over us has changed. And it makes our faith grow weary. It makes our heart faint, Lord. Because it seems as though things have shifted and we no longer have favored status with the Lord. Verse 1 says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as, best, as seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. If at any time I announce that a nation or a kingdom is to be uprooted, torn down, or destroyed, and if that nation I warned repents of its evil, then I will relent and not inflict on it the disaster that I had planned. And if at another time I announce that a nation or kingdom is to be built up and planted, and if it does evil in my sight and does not obey me, then I will consider the good I had intended to do for it. Therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look, I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. But they will reply, it's no use. We will continue with our own plans. We will all follow the stubbornness of our evil hearts. God speaks to Jeremiah with a great object lesson. He, he speaks to him probably in prayer time. That's where God speaks. Amen? That's where God speaks. He speaks to us in his prayer time. It's, it's not as though he just stumbles across this. He is directed by God to go down to this object lesson at the potter's house. He is given direction to go to that place and, and visualize that, see that, and know what it is that, that I am speaking to the people of Israel by what you see when you go to that address. God speaks to us in our time of prayer. I am surprised at the number of people who don't have a dedicated time of prayer. They, they deal with God in such a way that they, they just catch on to him whenever they can. Whenever it's, I have a dedicated chair and a dedicated time. 
right after my first cup of coffee, even God doesn't want to talk to me before I get my coffee, but <laughs> right after my first cup of coffee, I sit in this chair and I listen to the voice of the Lord. I've learned over the years it's much more important what he's saying than what I'm saying. And I listen and I drop, and become attentive to him and listen to the voice that he has that he's speaking to me. Those times are precious. They're not generally very long. Because if you give God time to speak, He will frequently speak very quickly to you. I, I don't know why we don't have dedicated moments. I don't know why we don't have dedicated places, addresses where we... But I, I think we are the poorer for it. We, we do not have the richness of the prayer life that God longs for us. It's like having a 4G cell signal and having your phone turned off. How many of you have ever had this experience? Your kid, who you purchased a cell phone for, for the reason of what? So you could know where they are, right? And know that they are safe, right? And you call them, and their phone is turned off in their pocket, right? And when you, next time you see them, you remind them that you were concerned and that, frankly, that's your phone in their pocket and you're paying that bill and that phone better be turned on or it'll be taken away. I wonder if God isn't pounding the floors of heaven saying, I've given you 100G service to the throne room of God, and you have your phone turned off. No, Jeremiah didn't have his phone turned off. He had his phone turned on. He was listening to the voice of the Lord. And the Lord said, take your prayer, prayer time out of that chair, away from that fire, wherever you are, and I want you to go to the potter's house. A little bit bizarre prayer directive, but sometimes God does strange things. Amen? Point to your neighbor and say strange things. Look what he's got to work with. He's working with us. I mean, he's got to do some strange things to keep us interested. And he takes them down and he gives them this visual object lesson. Maybe it's easier because we can see it. Some things are easier because we can see them. Maybe it's just more memorable. It certainly seems to have stuck in the mind of Jeremiah. But for whatever reason, God says, I want you to see this. It's not enough for you to hear it. I want you to see it. And Jeremiah doesn't really know exactly what God is going to do. We cheat because we've already read this verse before, so we kind of know what's going to happen. But Jeremiah, seeing it for the first time, doesn't really realize what he's seeing. He's just seeing a potter, and he's like, yeah, God, what are you trying to tell me? And uh, then suddenly the Lord speaks to him in the midst of that. The truth is that God has a truth here for the people of Israel through the prophet Jeremiah, but it's also a truth it is for you and I. It's a, it's a timeless truth about the nature of God, about the quality of God, about the difficult times that we find ourselves in, and the where is God when it hurts kind of questions that we ask. And God, for whatever reason, speaks to Jeremiah through the potter. The potter is sitting at the bench. He's spinning the, the pot probably on a wheel. Maybe not. Maybe he's... Uh, maybe he's uh, doing it a different way, but for whatever way, he's making this, this vessel. 
And as he's making this vessel, and he, the potter has, potters aren't like seat of the pants kind of artists. They, they know what they're going to make. Because they make, in this, this day, these guys aren't artists. These guys are artisans. They are making things that they need. Necessity is the mother of invention. And so if he's making a pot, it's because he needs a pot. If he's making a cup, it's because he needs a new cup. If he's mending a plate, it's because he broke his plate. It, whatever it is he's doing, it's, it's come out of necessity. So we have no idea what's in the potter's mind, why he's making what he's making. But certainly he has something in his mind as he begins to take this lump of clay, this dirt, and begin to mold it and shape it. As he begins to mold it and shape it, People, have you ever watched people around a potter? They begin to get excited as they begin to recognize, what, oh, oh, he's making a vase. Oh, you ever, you ever watch people? Go, go to, uh, go to uh, don't ride the ducks, but go to Branson and, and, uh, and watch the artisans down there in Silver Dollar City. And they'll begin with that, and they begin to make, and, you, and people will stand around. What's, what's he making? What's he making? Oh, he's making, a, he's making a vase. He's making a vase. People all were standing around. Why? He's making a vase, and then he'll take a piece of clay, and he'll put a handle on the vase. Oh, it's not a vase. It's, it's a pitcher. And he bends one lip off of that, that, that vase, and it becomes the pitcher, and suddenly you get the vision of what, of what, it is that the potter is making, and you're so excited that you figured out it was a great mystery. But the potter knew from Jump Street from the very beginning, he knew exactly what he was making. Even when it was a lump of clay, he knew exactly what was on that wheel. He knew exactly where he was going with that. He had already declared in his mind, this is what I'm making. This lump of clay will be a vessel of honor. That's what he has declared. This lump of clay will be a vessel of honor. And Jeremiah is watching, and I'm sure Jeremiah is doing the same thing everyone else is doing. Oh, oh, that's what it is. Oh, he's making that. Oh, this is, this is kind of fun, Lord. Why would you bring me down here? And God says, watch. And as he sticks his hand into the vessel and begins to draw the clay up as it spins, he's drawing clay up, he suddenly finds some hard spot, some imperfection, some marred place in the clay. And then he rolls the lip down and he changes what he's making. No longer shall this be a vase. No longer shall this be a, a pitcher. This is going to be an ashtray. This is going to be a a bedpan. It changes. Why does it change? It changes because the potter finds some imperfection. If, the, if it goes to the fire, if it goes into the, into the furnace with that imperfection in, it will either burst in the, in the furnace or in the kiln, or it will, it will crack under use because that imperfection leaves the spot. Everyone else thinks it looks marvelous. Everyone else sees the outside and says, isn't that, that's one of the most beautiful pieces of work I've ever seen. But the, but the, the artisan, the craftsman knows there's a stone in there. Unless that stone is removed, it'll burst the vase. 
and then it'll be completely useless. It's better to make something else out of it now than to send it into the fire with an imperfection. The people of Israel had this question. We've been called to be this people, a holy people, a people belonging to God. We are a royal priesthood. We've been called to be the head and not the tail. We've been called to be those who are blessed everywhere we go. You said to Abraham, God, that every nation on the earth would be blessed through us. What now with these Assyrians gathering around us? What now with these Babylonians conquering us? What now with all this strife in our life? What now with all this difficulty? Where did this come from? How have you... you, Taking your blessing off of us, have you removed your blessing? Where are our blessings? Some of us pray that same prayer these days. Where are my blessings, God? You said I was blessed in every, with every spiritual blessing in, under heaven in Ephesians. You told me, Lord, that you had given gifts, and you said you would never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, you said you would be with me even through the valley of the shadow of death. Lord, you said you would go with me even if no one else went with me. You said you would walk with me. You said you would reveal yourself to me. And now, Lord, look around. Look at this earth that we're living in, God. Where is your blessing on our life? Where is your blessing on your people? See, God declares over us with his word who we are. My people. My people. The most powerful two words that God could ever say over your life. Once you were not my people, but now you are my people. Now you are my people. Jesus shows up in the book of Acts when people are persecuting the church. Jesus shows up to defend his church. It's an amazing story. The important part of, us to, of, of it is for us to know that he comes there because they are his people. There's a certain sense of, Pastor Seth was talking about grace upon grace. Our life is just one story of grace upon another story of grace upon another story of grace. When I think about grace, I think about going back to what I was. Go back. Go back, wherever that was, before you knew the Lord. In all that confusion, in all that heartache, in all that brokenness, in the lostness, in the self-destruction, in all that, go back and remember what life was like without grace. And then suddenly grace came into your life. But you didn't respond perfectly to grace. But grace came again. And grace came again. And morning by morning, New mercies we saw. It is our testimony that every day grace keeps coming on. Grace upon grace. Like a double scoop of grace with sprinkles on top. 
It's just grace upon grace upon grace. Our life is living in this grace because God has spoken and declared over us a specific thing. There's nothing that God holds higher than His Word except His name. His Word and His name are the two most important things. His name is His reputation and His Word is His promise. His his promise. And yet, some of His promises, maybe all of His promises, are conditional. We don't like to hear, we like to talk about unconditional promises of God. Unconditional means you don't have to meet any conditions for them. Right? But the promise of revival comes when? If my people. Right? If my people will humble themselves, repent from their sin, turn from their wicked ways, right? Cry out in prayer. If my people, if my people will do that, then revival will come. And, 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 and so there's a condition on it. But there are some promises that don't have any spoken conditions, but they may have conditions still in the heart of God. For instance, when God called me to be a pastor, I was in my sophomore year of Bible college. Actually, my fresh, end of my freshman year. When God called me to be a pastor, the assumption, the, I, I figured, the assumption was that I would stay in school and continue my pastoral studies. I, I did, if God would have said, you're going to be a pastor to me, and I would have said, thank you, Lord, and then immediately went off to the gin mill and started drinking, I don't think that that would have fulfilled. Or if it did, it would have been a rockier road. You know what I'm talking about. And so when God makes a declaration over us, it seems as though he has the ability, and that's what the, that's what the message of the potter's house is, he has the ability to change that declaration over our life. Wow, we don't seem excited about that. You mean, pastor, if, some, if, if, if a prophet comes in and says, you're going to be a pastor to me, or you're going to be in ministry, or you're going to be an evangelist, or you're going to be a prophet, if, 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 if a, if a, a gifted person comes in and speaks that over me in the name of the, of, the, of the living God, if they say that to me, that that's not destined to come to pass? Well, according to this, the, the master has to deal with the clay that's given him. And if there's some imperfection, some mar in the vessel, then it has to change. Now, we're not excited about that because you see that as a loss. But God doesn't necessarily see that as a loss. So you see that... Well, I think you like it more than you think you like that. The ability for God to change the calling. Let me, let me say it to you the other way. If God said over your life, you're doomed to destruction. And he made a declaration. You are doomed to destruction. But you responded to his grace. Then God says, I can change 
that declaration and save you. Oh, oh, now you like it. Now you like the ability of the, of the potter to change the destiny of the clay. Every single person in here at one point in time was destined for destruction. If you don't believe me, read the other verses in John chapter 3. We are all destined for destruction. I know that God so you know, loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. I get that. But the verses around that verse tell us that all humanity is destined for destruction unless we repent and come to faith through Jesus, through the One that God sent. And so the, the reality of it is we like the fact that we can repent and turn to God and He can say, no longer destruction. Now you are My people. Well, we were kind of excited about that. But it's a two-way street. That's the lesson from the potter's house. Well, we don't like that, do we? And I don't know if I like what you're teaching here, Pastor Dave. It's not me. It's God. So if you got a beef, it's with God. Because He told Jeremiah, and Jeremiah told us. And so... We're just looking. God says, I can, if I find this imperfection, if I find this flaw, if there's a mar in the vessel, I won't put it in a place where it will be. Because if there's a mar in the vessel and it goes into the fire, what do you end up with? A crackpot. Right? Am I telling you the truth? Now, don't point, but how many of you know a crackpot? I mean, there's, there's a couple, couple crackpots. They didn't submit to the master's hand and they went into the fire. The fire will reveal the flaw in you. The fire will reveal the flaw in you. When you are going through it, come on, you know some of you who've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. When you're going through it and you feel the flames licking your body and you're going through the difficulty and you're really struggling, you find out who you really are. Boy, I had a day Monday, Tuesday. I had a day Tuesday. I had just come back from vacation. Let me, let me have, do I have enough time to talk about this? Sure. I had a great vacation. I was on a boat where people served me. What would you like for breakfast? How would you like your coffee? No, sir, don't get up. I will, I will fold your napkin on your lap. I didn't have to unfold my napkin and put it on my lap. They're like, oh, no, sir, let me get that for you. I'm like, this is not half bad. This is how rich people live. After one week, I was completely addicted to that. Really, I mean, I'm just, it's an addiction. They would give you the menu. You could order as many things off the menu as you wanted. I gained five pounds. You could order as many things off the menu as you wanted. Three different columns you could order. If you didn't waste it, you could order everything in every column and eat it all. It was fantastic. Came back, went down to my farm. I won't tell you the whole day, but it involves tornadic winds. Fallen trees, beehives tipped over, angry bees stinging me right through several layers of my clothes. At first, 
you kind of realize it's going to be one of those days. At, you know, you kind of know from the get-go. We had this trampoline in the backyard, and I was drinking my coffee. I looked out the back window, and I'm like, where the heck is the trampoline? <laughs> you know? Then it went downhill from there. Flat tire on the tractor while I was mowing. Jack won't work to lift up the tractor. So I balanced one fat pastor on the end of a, of a pole with a cinder block in it underneath the tractor, put the fat pastor on one end of the pole, and squatted down so it lifted the tractor up as the fat pastor held it down and loosened the lug nuts leaning over like this. Yeah, that's how my day was. And the whole time at the beginning of the day, I was like, it's okay, I just had a great week. I just had a great week. It's going to be all right, you know. I can handle a couple hardships. End of the day, it's 105. Did I mention it was 105 degrees? <laughs> the bees were so mad that I had to wear the bee outfit. Two pairs of pants, three shirts, and the bee head net over in 105 degree heat while I was mowing the grass. End of the day, mowing the grass down there, and that day was a six-hour proposition. End of the day, I come in. I'm old, fat, and tired. And I come in, and I go to take my boots off. And I go, you know how you take your boots off. You just click one heel, and I'm old, fat, and tired. So I kind of lean like this, put two fingers to steady myself on the tray of an antique, um, what do you call a thing? High chair. I, antique high chair. It was the high chair that my wife and my wife's mother both used. It had been restored by Uncle, who? Uncle Lynn. <laughs> Completely restored. It's a treasure. I could tell you the story of how we got it to the farm, but it's just too long to tell you. And as I put my fingers on it, the tray snapped in half. Ba-boom! Onto the floor. And about that time, I just lost my stuff right there. About that time. <laughs> And I said out loud to no one listening, I am not telling her about this. <laughs> I am not telling her about this. Went out, stuck it underneath the seat in my truck. I will glue it together at home and then tell her about it after it's fixed because then she'll see the visual that I made it okay. <laughs> ah, rough day. In the midst, midst of those rough days, you, you kind of want God to just go, hey, just kidding, it's going to go good for the rest of the day. But it never happened. It never happened. We, we, you all have days like that, don't you? Yes. Or just one thing after another. Well, Israel was having years like that. No blessing on their, on their life, and they couldn't figure out why they were, they were not feeling like the chosen people anymore. In the heat of the furnace, your flaws are exposed. Your impatience. Man, 
If you'd have caught me in the first 15 minutes of the day, you'd have been really proud of me. Oh, it's okay. It's 105, that's okay. Oh, the mower's broke down. That kind of stinks, but it, it'll be all right. Well, you know, how much could it cost to fix the time? It's, that's, that's, it's going to be all right. What in the world is going on? Eventually, eventually that little imperfection that no one could see on the inside comes out. And I reveal myself for the crackpot that I really am. And I am talking to nobody and throwing things and kicking stuff in the living room and throwing a royal fit. Just a royal fit because the fire brings out the imperfection that no one can see. Right? Some, the old song says, some through the water, right? Some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. Every one of us have little imperfections that God is working out. Come on, say amen, somebody. Don't leave me alone up here. But he's working it out, and it happens in the fire. I've got to read you this. This is my devotions this morning. It was like God said, hey, just before you get up there, let me kick you one more time. <laughs> My devotions this morning from Psalm 66, which is a wonderful psalm, but it says this. Oh, where'd it go? Praise you, O God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. You brought us into prison and laid burdens on our back. You let people ride over our heads. We went through fire and water. But listen, the next line. But you brought us to a place of abundance. See, if you stop too early in that, it's very negative. The God who imprisons you, who puts burdens on your back, who makes things hard. That God, nobody wants to know that God, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Okay, I'll know him. I'll know him. We like that. We want that. We, we, the thing is, you ha there, are, there are tough times that all of us have to go through. The potter has declared a specific thing over us. If he finds in us persistent rebellion, if he finds in us things that need to be exercised in order for us to make us a useful vessel, remember who you are. We are dirt. We are dirt with an eternal spirit. <clears throat> what God is saying to Jeremiah is, I am sovereign even over my word. Th think about that. I am sovereign even over my word. Even though I've declared that you will be blessed, you're not going to be blessed if I find the, ma the mar on the inside of you. <clears throat> dirt is responsible for how dirty the dirt is. You say, well, it's different under Jesus. Really? The sower goes out into the field, and he blesses everybody with the seed of the word. But according to the quality of the dirt is the produce from that word that goes into our life. 
Some of us need to fertilize more frequently. Think about what the, the potter does. He goes down to the riverside. He digs down into find some clay. He pulls up a lump of clay. He strains it through a screen of some sort to get as many of the imperfections out as he can. He adds the water from the creek into the, into the clay, like the washing with the water of the Word. And he adds the Word into the clay until it becomes slippery and slimy. And he begins to work it in his hands, adding more of the Word into the, into the lump of clay, making it more and more pliable until it can be worked out, finding imperfection. You've had this experience in your life where the Lord says, Mmm, that's got to go. And that hurts when he pulls that stuff out. Why? Because you're dirt. And he just keeps working, keeps working, until he finally gets it into a bundle of smooth clay that he thinks he can work with. Wraps it in a cloth and brings it to the wheel, sets it on the wheel, spins it around, <laughs> works on it with his hands, having declared, I will make this a vessel of honor. Listen to what it says in the book of Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. In a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some are for common purposes. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the Master, prepared to do any good work. God says, I want you to be a ming vase. I want you to be a work of art. I want you to be a glorious, I want you to have a glorious future. But if I have to work with you so much, if you don't work with me and help me pull some of these things out, if you don't respond to my word, if you don't do that, then I'm going to have to I'll, I could still use you, but you're going to be a bedpan. Now, sometimes you might need a bedpan. Some vessels are for noble use. Some vessels are for ignoble use. Some vessels are for special purposes. Some vessels are for common purposes. I could still use you, but I can only use you according to your submission to the hand of the potter. Hear now what the Lord says to the clay. Submit to the pressure of my hands. Submit to the pressure of my hands. Allow my word to slick up your life. Let me reach inside of you and find the flaw and turn you again and again and again on my wheel to make you who you ought to be to create in you the vessel that I have envisioned. But if the vessel does not yield, if the vessel does not yield, I can make of it anything I want, even though I have made declarations before. Wow. Wow. The Spirit of the Lord says to us today that we must submit to the pressure. We don't like pressure. But shaping happens under pressure. 
How many of you have felt? Just raise your hand. You don't have to tell us what it is, but you've felt the pressure of the Lord to shape your life. Yeah. How many of you would say this week has been especially a lot of pressure? Amen. That is God molding us. God is make. Thank you, Lord, for that pressure. What? Thank you, Lord, for that pressure. Because you are not leaving me the lump of dirt that I am. You have a vision for my life. Oh, praise the sovereign God of the universe. Who can know His wonders? Who can know what He has declared over you? What you shall become? Who can know what He has envisioned over your life? Only yield to the pressure of His hand. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. We hope you were blessed by it. If there's anything that we can do to help you further your relationship with God, we would love to be a part of it. You can contact us through our website, www.berwinag.org. Thank you, and God bless.